0: This is Politicking with Curtis Schoon with special guest Jason Whitlock. Good morning, Jason. How are you today?
1: Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say awesome this time as I like to do, but I, I'm somewhat lying because I just got off my Stairmaster and so I'm really just doing okay. I'm still a little bit in recovery mode.
0: Uh, we've had our recent share of um, cop shootings of black males in the news this past week since our last episode. Last night, I saw something on, on um, YouTube about a gentleman named Andrew Brown. I was unaware of his killing because I really don't tune into the news like that. Um, Andrew Brown's a 42-year-old black man in Elizabeth, North Carolina. Police was serving a warrant, I believe for drugs at his residence. He was in his vehicle in the driveway and his hands were on the wheel according to his family. We haven't really heard anything else from the the other side, but according to his family, he had his hands on the wheel and he was shot. They said the kill shot was one behind the head. Um, I saw his son on the TV saying that his father got killed trying to save his own life. I I don't I don't have these cases don't move me. If I'm if I'm being totally honest, I don't ever get emotional with these cases because although these people are black there always seems to be a lot more going on than just the color of their skin. And, and I'm not going to exclude all those other factors, contributing factors, and, and personalize it like, oh, my God, he got killed just because he was Black, and that means it could happen to me. You know, um, a lot of these cases, I don't know what what happened with Mr. Brown. So I'm not condemning him. I'm not defending him. But there's a a pattern with a lot of these incidents, I'd say probably 90% of them, where the individuals have had brushes with the law, which doesn't require that you get killed, absolutely not. Where um, there are warrants being served, there are weapons on the scene. Uh, There's a whole lot of things going on there. But most importantly, what I notice is that people who are in the wrong or believed to be in the wrong, feel that they have a right not to pay the consequences for that. And um, in Japan, they have a, a criminal organization called the Yakuza. And I always found it fascinating that when you join the Yakuza in Japan, it is understood that at some point you're gonna have to go to prison. And I think in America, people who break the law they never come to that point they think that they're just going to keep getting away and getting away until they don't and when they're confronted with that eventuality they uh, sometimes make bad decisions so yes what what's your thoughts on this on this Andrew Brown situation in North Carolina
1: don't know all the details. And so don't want to pass judgment on brown or the police uh, too harshly want just to establish just for so we can have a honest conversation or whatever. It's my understanding that the guy has a long criminal history, and which does not justify uh, being shot. But what it does say to me is like the process of being arrested isn't brand new to him and so uh someone with a long rap sheet knows how to comply with the police and uh should know how to go through the arrest process without putting himself in harm's way um but again having said that again like i said my, my cousin that was killed in indianapolis in 2012 he had a criminal record, and so I, I don't want to pass harsh judgment on Andrew Brown. But w- what I will say, Curtis, is that you mentioned that there's been a lot of incidents in the last week, or and or and I think there's been a lot of focus. The media has figured out and figured out is the, but the media is leaning into, hey, black when a black person gets killed by the police, there's ratings gold in this. And so let's lean into it. Uh, This is TV, this is digital media, social media, everybody knows like, oh, there's ratings gold, there's clickbait gold, Mm -hmm. and focusing on uh, when a black person is killed by police, particularly by a white cop. And so there isn't ratings gold in when the police kill a white person. And so it's not focused on. And so we're getting a one sided steady stream. It feels like a steady stream of look at this video. Look at this shooting. It's only happening to us. The statistics don't bear that out. The media just doesn't show when it happens to other people. And so we black people are being fed a steady stream of emotional uh appeals to to for us to get angry for us to riot for us to protest and and i've lived long enough i can remember when i was a kid in indianapolis and i should look up the date but but there was a shooting in indianapolis but when i was a kid by the name of michael taylor and Michael Taylor had his hands handcuffed in mm. the back of a police car and was shot by police. And, oh yeah, it's been 30 some odd years. 16 year old Michael Taylor was shot. He was in police custody at the time on the way to the juvenile detention center. Uh, and, and the police claimed, literally, I'm not kidding, the guy's handcuffed in a cop car and the police claimed that Michael Taylor shot himself. Mm. <laughs> the jury rejected that. Um, but that was a local Indianapolis story uh 33 30 no 35 years ago 36 years ago that was a local indianapolis story and now the national media and because the internet has made the world smaller any of these cases now are national stories to be used by anybody uh to draw attention to themselves to build their social media following to build their websites to support the ratings at CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, wherever. And and so do I, am I saying that we should ignore these cases? Uh, No, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think it's interesting that we have an obsession going on right now of what happens to, in many cases, career criminals, are resisting arrest it's like a it's like it's like a new version of cops except it's playing out over social media that you know and and so it's a story but and again it's like these documentaries you see on netflix or let's go inside Rikers Island and tell you (laughs) what it's like. And there's all kinds of documentaries about this stuff. The toughest prison in America. and What's it like in solitary confinement? And so now this is just like a new version of what's it like to be a black criminal who's being arrested and uh, resist arrest. And it's a TV show that's being fed and, and, again, because the stats show police kill white people, they kill Hispanics, same sort of situation, same, and, and we'll say that, oh, but the frequency is disproportionate. You know, Black men are only 6% of the population. Black people are only 12% of the population. Blah blah. But the reality is, Curtis, Black men, us, 6% of us, commit 52% of the violent crimes in America. And so
0: on each other.
1: Yes. And so, yes. And so, again, I think these policemen were trying to serve a a search warrant or arrest warrant for drug-related crimes. Guarantee you the drugs were being sold to Black people. Uh, And so our dysfunction and how white people, how white police officers engage in our dysfunction is a television show a reality Damn. TV show that we're all participating in. And, you know, I go back, I, I think I sent you, uh, yeah, Anthony Thompson, the guy in... Anthony Thompson, I think.
0: Yeah, Knoxville, that's the school. Knoxville.
1: Kid. That's yeah, right. Yeah, high school kid. And the website put together a pretty comprehensive video of what happened to him that day. Throughout school, all the way up until him getting shot by the police. And they set it to music. There was background music like a movie was going on. But this was this what happened to this kid over the course of the day because there's cameras in schools and the whole nine. And this was it was the website, the Knoxville newspaper or whatever, put this to music like it was a movie. And that's what I sent it to you. I was like, man. They making movies about our tragedies, websites now. are <laughs> They're setting this to music. We need to take a look at like what's really going on. Why is our tragedy being milk for money? I mean, because, again, everybody, everybody. Everybody. Ben Crump is making money. Black Lives Matter is making money. News websites are making money. Anchors on TV shows are making money. Politicians are making money. Politicians, yeah. Raising money off of this. Everybody, again, these, and look, the families of the victims making money. This is like, everybody's like, everybody's making money off of this. If you, if there's, I, I don't want to, this is, we need to think about what's really going, because I don't have the answers. But I do think it's worthy of a conversation that what's what's real. And again, we've turned career criminals who are resisting arrest into the most important people in Black culture at the moment. George Floyd is the modern day Martin Luther King. And I'm not sure what his contribution was other than is death
0: you know jason there are black people who would accuse you of hating black people for speaking that truth you know again i i'm i'm indifferent with these cases i i mean people might not like to hear me say that i don't really know the details Both sides are arguing. All I know is most of these people, 95, maybe 99% of them, were on a trajectory where at some point they were either going to run into trouble with the law or someone just like them, and it wasn't going to work out for them. Well, um, that's their choice. I'm not telling anybody what choices to make, but I'm telling you, that there's consequences that come with your choices. But all of a sudden now, if you don't agree or support this, you're anti-black. And I think the people who prioritize this and try to paint the whole community as people who are always in trouble with the law and so on, they're the real anti-black people who hate black people. They're doing the rest of us a great disservice. And that's coming from someone myself who has had enough trouble with the law. But I wouldn't put that on Black people. That's my issue. That isn't a Black issue. That's a Curtis Schoon issue. Curtis Schoon made choices. Curtis Schoon got into trouble. Curtis Schoon dealt with his trouble. And I can't relate to any of this because as a a 21-year-old Young man, I was on trial for six B felonies facing eight and a third to twenty five. Do you know, Jason? I didn't even tell my mother that I was going on trial. She didn't even know. You know why? I didn't want her in the courtroom. She had nothing to do with the choices I made. But all of that's that was my outlook at that age about myself. But all of a sudden, individual choices become community issues, and and that's not right. The reason why I'm indifferent is because, look, man, they know what you was doing. If you're running around with guns and drugs, you may have to kill somebody. You may get killed, or you may go to jail for a long time. That's part of the game. And so many people who don't live that life, they just have so much to say because That could happen to me. Well, yeah, if you're running around with guns and drugs and having uh, beef with rival gang members, it can happen to you. You're absolutely right. But if you're not doing those things, why is it so important to you? Don't you have other things to worry about? Like why your degree doesn't get you the kind of money you can uh, raise a family on? Things that are more specific to you. Let, let's make economic issues a collective Black issue. Let's do that. Even if that's not true, it's a lot better than making Pookie, who's selling selling dime cracks and and, and 50 sacks of weed. He's Black. He might be, but he's a lot of other things beside that, and he has to deal with that, not us.
1: It... it, it. Curtis, as someone who professes to be a Christian, who is you know trying to be a Christian, I, I get that. Hey, we're supposed to be concerned about the least of us, and and to me, now I'm just saying how I interpret that because again, a lot of people think, look, I'm helping the least of us when they I'm by supporting George Floyd or Dante Wright or Andrew Brown or what I'm helping the least. For me, when I think about the least of us, I think about kids, little kids, no parents, things like that. I got a lot of energy. I got a lot of money to spend on them, blah, blah, blah. And then I think of old people who have done their part, contributed to society. Now they're on the other side of the hill. I'm going to do a lot for them. Grown men, 42, 40 years old, 20 years old, 18 years old. Again, the the Anthony Thompson case in Knoxville blew me away because, one, the package they put together on this website, and I suggest everybody go look at it. But I'm I'm not sure if I'm calling out the right name of the newspaper. I thought it was the Knoxville, Tennessee. But, but who, who? I'm not sure w- what it was called. Go watch that video. There was so... But beyond the music, there was just a lot of good information in there that at, at one point the mother of, because he had been harassing some daughter. other, yeah, some 17-year-old girl at the school. It
0: was her daughter. Yeah, they, yeah. that was her girl, uh, his girl. His
1: ex-girlfriend or whatever. Yes. And they walked through a bunch of different information about how uh, a lot of the kids, bring guns to school, leave them outside in the bushes outside the school, and then run and go get them when they need them. This kid was carrying his gun and uh, had his hand on it and it fired. He he shot the he's in a bathroom and he won't take his hands out of the pot, out of his pockets and the police get nervous. And then the Anthony Thompson's gun fires. And that's what set off the shooting and why he got killed. But all I kept thinking was like, man, these kids are bringing guns to school and they leave them outside in the bushes. Everybody knows this is standard operating procedure. And we're sending cops and teachers to work in this environment and have to manage these kids. And we're wondering why things are spinning out of control. It's a recipe for disaster. and. I just—they're protesting, and and I, I just—I look at like we've been programmed that any time uh, someone gets shot by the police who's black and the cop is white, we're going to riot and protest and be up in arms, and it's like a—it's going to be a never-ending cycle. We're we're like—it's almost like. Dog treats or or biscuits to to, it's all we got to do is put a video in front of people and they'll riot and and protest and and say, look, look at America, it's it's the worst place on the planet. I I just we got to give this I just don't see where the advancement for black people are because the stats say police kill about 250 of us a year. That's been going on you know for five, six years. That's the average. They kill about four hundred and fifty white folks a year but but, and so is the end game to be that we reduce this two hundred and fifty number for black people, but we do nothing about the seven, eight thousand nine thousand that we kill we don't even no, no, I think it's about seven eight, nine I think I don't think it's. I don't think but it's, it's going up.
0: It, it, yeah. it, it dropped, yeah. but it's, it's on its way back up. But yeah. but Jason, you you mentioned the mother of the girl. I saw the video, and she was explaining to the police. Uh, did she say he had a nine millimeter? Yes. She knew the caliber of the gun he yeah. had. Um, she was aware that other kids had guns, and she was aware of what they did with those guns. But she just decided to go to the police with her daughter having a confrontation with the guy. This woman appeared to be white. Was was she
1: white? I thought so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Her her daughter seemed to be half black, half white. Yeah,
0: you know, I I saw her, she had some leggings on, her stomach was out, the push-up bra, the tattoos. uh, And the reason why I, I bring all that up because we want to claim all this function, all of this dysfunction for ourselves. It's not really a black or white thing going on right now. It's a class thing and it's being packaged as a black thing to get a whole lot of people who happen to be black, who aren't from that class to join ranks with a very, very small section of our community and give it some steam and some momentum. First of all, the woman called the police on the boy. I'm not saying she did anything wrong, but for a community who have so much complaints about the police, no one calls them more than we do. In our community, 911 is on speed dial. Do you love the cops or do you hate them? If you don't like the cops, try your hand resolving your issues amongst yourselves. You don't do that now, do you? I wonder why. You know, and then when you call the cops and they come and they're in this chaotic, volatile environment that the people who live there don't want to deal with, obviously, the cop reacts the way he's trained or maybe He's not trained, (laughs) whatever the case, but you invited him into your world. So whether he did what he's supposed to do or he overreacted or whatever, it started with you inviting him into your world. And you invite him into your world all the time because you cannot manage affairs in your own world. So you must take some blame for what happens. So I see the kid, he has this backpack on, It's a see-through backpack. And I'm thinking, imagine sending your kid to the same school he goes to. And your kid is trying to get an education. And other kids are hiding their guns in the bushes outside to retrieve it after school. Is there any wonder charter schools are, are popular? And I'm not advocating for them. I'm just pointing out the facts. As a matter of fact, if you ask me, I think COVID has shown us that maybe we need to do more online education at home, have online classrooms, and do away with a lot of the stuff that goes on in these schools. I think they might be outdated because if we can't control them, why have them?
1: Agree, somewhat agree. I'm not. Sure, I'm ready to say schools are outdated because I just think
0: when physical schools, if you need metal detectors, plastic backpacks, so to make sure they're not bringing weapons. Oh, man, the inmates are running to asylum. We've lost control.
1: That's been going on for a long time. Yes,
0: and it's getting worse.
1: It is, but I'm not sure if online is the solution. Our kids have a major problem dealing with each other. Resolving conflict without resorting to violence, I think online just accentuates that problem. We have no experience in dealing with each other and I know school because parents don't back teachers and the whole, the whole system is a shit show right now I I get that but i'm not sure blowing it up because you say there's a class. disconnect and that. I say, Definitely. I say, there's a family disconnect. When I look at that woman calling the police,
0: are we saying and, the same thing though? In in some, way? somewhat, but I want to get directly
1: because again, when you say class, people think money. Oh, no. when, when you say when you say family, I think father. Okay. And again, so I go to the the white woman with the 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 African American daughter and what i see Did
0: you just say half
1: re- <laughs> and i don't mean that disparagingly i'm just keeping it real uh but 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 what i see is the first steps to resolving that conflict is is daddy confront confronting this hey hey man leave my daughter alone that that should be the first step is like hey man don't be talking crazy to my daughter don't put your hands on my daughter Blah blah. That's what's supposed to happen. There is no father, or apparently, or he's not involved. He ain't. Do- and so I don't blame the mother for calling the police. She's gonna call some man, yeah. and she she wants to put a stop to it and protect her daughter. Uh, she knows that this dude carries guns, and that other people at the school carry guns. That that's not a battle for her to step into. I agree. And so what what I see again breakdown in family is causing dysfunction that we are calling the police to come in and resolve the dysfunction. And I'll just say this in my own life. When I have involved myself with people more dysfunctional than me, it's brought out my dysfunction.
0: Mm.
1: And so, okay, because I'm as dysfunctional or not as everybody else, but I have dysfunction just like everybody else. When I deal with people that are dysfunctional, it makes me more dysfunctional. And so the police are just human beings. They're dysfunctional. You're calling them into a situation of dysfunction, and then you're second-guessing them. This is a never-ending situation. And and there's always going to be police shootings, black, white, Hispanic, blah, blah, blah. The media has chose to focus on one strain of this for profit. Everybody's profiting off of it. It's great for you politically, and it's great for you financially. Um, But I don't think in any way does any of this focus serve Black people in mass. It doesn't. The The only thing that would really serve us in mass, now look, there's some one offs. Did George Floyd's family get 27 million? God bless them. Enjoy it. Did Breonna Taylor's family get 14, 15 million, whatever? God bless them. Did Ben Crump get 30% or 20% or whatever percent of all that money? Has he built a nice little law firm, ambulance chasing or cop shooting chasing all around the country? God bless it. It's good for him. But these are individuals being served, not, there is no collective benefit for black people. In fact, it's actually go, it actually harms us, One, police are backing away and saying, you know what? Y'all dysfunctional. I'm gonna let y'all handle this dysfunction. And our dysfunction in our communities is uh, exponentially increasing. More and more murders because there's lawlessness being, you know, ignored. New York, any of these cities. the police can't keep up with it. Look, man, I I don't want to put my... I live in a very nice area uh, here in Nashville, allegedly. It it certainly costs money like it's a nice area. But right across the street from me, there have been six shootings directly across the street from me, all involving Black people. uh, Direct. I'm talking about it's a... 15 second walk from the front of my apartment building. I don't even know if it's 15 seconds. You can throw a rock and hit the building where every weekend we popping off.
0: You live in the middle <laughs> of the action, huh? Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I live in a nice uh what a tourist area yeah. in Nashville. Um, but our dysfunction is so out of control and the police. Can't keep up with it, uh, and and so none of this serves Black people in mass. It's a nice little feel good campaign over social media. White liberals get to feel good. I tweeted out Black Lives Matter. I stand for Black Lives, but they get to feel good about themselves. None of it does Black people any good. It's we are being played and. And this whole little—we're
0: we're playing ourselves, man. We really yeah. are. we're playing ourselves.
1: Th- this whole little iteration—this is a spinoff of Cops. That's all this is. If you've seen the Cops, see this is the spinoff show of Cops, and and we're the participants. It's 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 fucking crazy.
0: So o- over sorry in, for cussing. Look over in Ohio. We had, I think her name is Makaya Bryant. Yeah, the young woman, sixteen years old, uh, terrorizing people with a knife. A cop pulls up, shoots her several times, and she dies. Um, I, I found out today. Her cousin claims that it was Micaiah who called the cops. Again, we invite the cops into our lives. Makaya was a foster child. She was at, living with a foster family. And according to Micaiah's cousin, some older girls who were like in their 20s showed up wanting to fight her or beat her up or something. I, I have no idea. Some some ghetto girl stuff. And Makaya called the cops. When they didn't come, I guess she went outside to fight him. Because she was armed when the cops came. He just assessed the situation and identified her as the assailant and, and neutralized her according to his training. Now, yes, she's 16 years old, and or was 16, and lived in foster home, foster care. And it sounds like she's had a really hard life. But when you pull up on the scene, you know none of these things. You know, after the fact you hear it and you just say, damn, this life and story just so tragic. But in the heat of battle, of a conflict. You don't you don't know these things, nor do you have time to take any of that into consideration. And that's not saying that the cop was right. I, I don't know. I've never been in that situation. It's easy for a lot of us to say what we would have done and wouldn't have done if we've never had to deal with it. I just know that the whole Let thing Let me ask you this, Curtis. Yes, go ahead.
1: You said you don't know if the cop was right. You have a daughter. Yes. If the cops pull up and there's another woman with her arm cocked with a knife about to stab your daughter, less than a second away from stabbing your daughter, what would you like the cop to do?
0: I would like him to stop her. You know, I'm not by any means necessary. (laughs) I'm not condemning the cop, but the thing is, you know, um, how many times did he shoot her, Jason?
1: Again, they tell you to shoot. They don't I, tell you I, to shoot I, once. And they that's why
0: right. I said I've never been in that situation. The cop might be right, man. I just hate that him well, being No, no, right. no, no. Let, Let's don't as, deal as with them, whether he's
1: right or wrong. Yeah, he might be right, what but you, I hate that no, no. him
0: being right cost her, her life, though. That's okay, but let's so start, that's no, Well,
1: hold on. Me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you think she would be alive today if she wasn't trying to stab that woman? Yes. I so, again, I'm not sure. Again, there are people that would argue the cop didn't cost her her life, her actions put her in harm's way. I'm not arguing against that at all.
0: I just think it's such an unfortunate sequence of events. There's no question about it. It, It's a tragedy. That's the part That's that, you know, deep down inside, I, I think the cop did what he was trained to do, what I guess he was supposed to do. But I still don't die.
1: Don't die. <laughs> if it was your daughter, what would yeah. you want the cop to do?
0: I would want him to stop the assailant. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So and that's and, not. And, and, and I know for I think he shot her four times. And even that, I already know, not from experience, but just know from no from reading and stuff that. One bullet rarely stops anybody right away because of adrenaline and other factors like that, that they can still carry, carry on. And that is exactly why police shoot until you drop, because that is what they're trained to do. People get shot once or twice, and you'd be surprised with how much damage they can inflict before the bullet takes effect. I get all of that. I just think it's sad, that's all.
1: Curtis, there's no question it's sad, but it, it all goes back to family. Yes. And,
0: yes. And,
1: and communities that are devoid of families. Everything is a single parent situation, all on top of each other. And again, where they where, look, I, I've said it, I think I said this last week. The first police officer in every child's life needs to be called mama and daddy, period, end of story. I don't
0: think you said it last week, but it sounds good this week, and I agree.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's officer-friendly. should be mama and daddy. Yes. And then so when those police officers aren't present or one of those police officers aren't present and the other police officers overworked, tired, uh, maybe irresponsible who knows maybe grandmama is the police officer she's too old to be the police officer now you start calling in and again this this goes back to the amount of engagement we have with police in some of our communities is because the first police officers mom and daddy aren't present and so we're constantly calling the police to our neighborhoods and We're dropping them into our dysfunction, and I'm just telling you: when you drop a human being into dysfunction, it brings out their dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And so, I I
0: get what you're saying. Yes,
1: these cops aren't going to make perfect decisions in dysfunctional situations. I'm just telling you: when I look at a lot of the, you know, the more dysfunctional people I'm around, this is like. football locker room you start doing dumb shit the more idiots you're around your iq drops and (laughs) you
0: you assimilate yes
1: yes and so uh i I, and and then because we have you know and i know people are going to get angry but but lebron james has deservedly in my opinion taken a lot of flack for jumping into this Micaiah Bryant situation, putting a target on that cop's back. And, and was I know what
0: you thinking, man.
1: Well, for what he was trying to say is, hey, we're gonna hold you accountable. Uh that's what he was trying to say. But but not understanding, uh hey man, you got 40, 50 million Twitter followers. You just put a bullseye on this police officer's back. You, you've increased the pressure on him and perhaps have told some angry people in that community, y'all need to target this guy. And and so look, one of the things that we need to deal with as a community of, of people that worship these athletes and rappers and all who whatever celebrities I'm just sorry Curtis and I'm sorry who gets offended by this. These people aren't smart. And if I were smart Curtis, if <laughs> I were born with LeBron James athletic ability.
0: Yeah, um, I
1: would work on developing that more than I would my understanding of the world and my intellect. Th- this, it's rare, very rare that someone with that kind of talent would focus on developing their intellect in America. I'm just saying, Jim, Jim Brown is one.
0: Yes, Jim Brown is one. Grant
1: Hill. Him. Oh, that's is,
0: right, Grant Hill. Is right. one. Yes. But it's they're, just- they're, they're anomalies, though.
1: Yes, because yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah. Because there's such a huge pot of gold for developing your athletic ability and, and to max that out, that it's not until the athleticism has diminished that you then transition in on the other side and then again take I don't believe Muhammad Ali was a rocket scientist I'm sorry he was not I, I think he was a boxer
0: who witty he was witty
1: That's witty but he was also humble mm-hmm. Re- really and I know I'm the greatest doesn't sound like a humble person but humility can be expressed other ways and it's like, he knew what he didn't know. And he leaned on Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X for what he didn't know. And he followed the orders of the Nation of Islam very well. He was obedient to that. And those people, whether, again, this, this isn't an endorsement of the NOI and everything that they thought or th- think at that time with Elijah Muhammad. But Elijah Muhammad Malcolm X are a lot smarter than, than Muhammad Ali. And gave him good direction and, and turned him into the icon and all of that. LeBron has none of that. This dude got Maverick Carter and Nike and Phil Knight and a bunch of puppet masters. He's way out over his skis, made a fool of himself. He's no kind he, he, there's just way too much money for him to develop his athleticism and be a, a puppet for China. For us to be looking at him as if he's some kind of spokesman for criminal justice issues, or knows what black people should do to advance in American society—that's not his area of expertise. Dunking the basketball and hitting three pointers—that's his area of expertise.
0: Just shut up and dribble. <laughs> is, that, is that what you, sounds like? That's what you're saying, Jason. You know <laughs> what?
1: what? What I'm saying is. Because here's the other thing Muhammad Ali did. Finance, use your athletic gifts to finance the things you believe in. Yeah. So I'm not saying shut up and dribble. Maximize your athletic skills. Take that money you're making. Finance the things you believe in. But in terms of being a... This dude can barely write. You see how grammatically poor his writing is? I would be embarrassed to be a grown-ass man And allegedly someone who's developed a school that's sitting there publicly writing at like a second grade level.
0: Mm. Just go go look
1: at his Instagram. Who would, there's no intelligent person that would be comfortable presenting themselves that grammatically unsound. And I'm just, I'm just sorry. He can't conjugate subject and verb when he talks. No intelligent person, I'm just sorry, is comfortable with that.
0: I'm just, those are just facts. The thing that always amazes me about celebrities, celebrity uh, activists, is that they are in a position to actually do more than complain or tweet or post. And you're right. With that kind of money, stop being an influencer with words and be an influencer with actions. They can form their own packs and run their own candidates that advocate their own uh, platform. But they don't do these things. Um, They just do as they're instructed to stay in the good graces of their uh, benefactors, controllers, whatever you want to call them. Because as much money as they have, each and every last one of them, they come from these urban areas, they can run political candidates who advocate for the things they believe in and back them. Instead, just like the LGBT are running pro-LGBT candidates all over the country. You know, uh, They got their money. Look, they're doing what they're supposed to do for themselves. And with all the money that we have, in the entertainment business, and we say we care, right? Why not do the same thing? Instead, they fall in line with the very same people who are pushing all the LGBT platforms. What I deduce from that is either they must be LGBT themselves or maybe their bosses, employers are, and they're trying to curry favor because if you're socially concerned, why are you promoting things, prioritizing things that aren't directly connected to you? And I, you gotta ask that of all these athletes, all these actors, I saw um, Don Cheadle, there's a picture of him on the internet and he has a t-shirt that says, Protect Trans Kids. I promise you, Jason, I mean, no children of any sort, any kind of harm, but I don't even know if I've ever seen a trans kid. But this is what he's he's advocating for. Is it coming from a an authentic place? Is he, let, su- let me- is he sucking up to somebody, no pun intended? What's really going on here with all of this?
1: Let me say this, Trans kids are vulnerable, but, but you're right in the sense that how many of them are there? How many of them have you personally engaged with, interacted with, as opposed to how many black boys in horrendous situations have you engaged with to where at age six, seven, eight years old, you're like, man, if we don't do something, this kid's on a track for the penitentiary, gangs, death, blah blah blah. And so for me, I've I've met, engaged with, am aware of far more young black boys who are in vulnerable situations. And this is where I I, I agree with you, like. Ugh. And again, no offense to the trans community. I just haven't met those kids, don't know them. I hear about them, I believe the stories, blah, blah, blah. But what I see with my own eyes and in my own community is a bunch of young black boys that need help, need fathers, need mentors, need opportunities. And and you go, and I'm not disagreeing, but to the political thing, but to me, what I've always been amazed at with Black entertainers, people at LeBron's level, is the number one thing I think LeBron could do for Black people in Akron is use his wealth and influence to start a bank. Mm. Banks in our communities controlled by us Helping small businesses get started right there in those communities, that's the number one missing ingredient. If you, again, and and I know you, if you can't clothe and feed people, you can't lead them. I'm just sorry. If you can't, you you gotta
0: feed the people to lead the people, correct? Yeah. Yeah, And so if you
1: can't provide them their basic necessities, you can't lead them. And so, You can offer them books. You can teach them critical race theory. You can teach them that, you know, America is this and that. But none of that is going to do any good if you're not offering people. uh, and, And again, much of that I don't think could do any good. But if you're not offering people an opportunity to take care of themselves and like if you really understand the psychology of men. The number one thing, now again, where there's a lot of emasculated men running around now, but man's nature is to be a provider. And And protector. Yeah, and protector, and to take care of his own self, to stand on his own two feet. All the guys, my father, all of his friends that came down to Masterpiece Lounge, these guys took pride in being providers, protectors, they're factory workers, they're willing to work overtime. All these dudes, that's where their pride and self-esteem came from is, you know, I got this. That's where their masculinity came from. And the reason why we're being emasculated so easily is because if you can't clothe and feed yourself and take care of others, you've been emasculated. You're not, you're just not, a. am sorry it's offensive, but you're not a man and you know you, it. You
0: just hurt a lot of feelings, man.
1: I and these dudes <laughs> are willing to lay down and be taken care of by a woman. Yeah, they're moving with women. Yeah,
0: Pick up the kids, drop them off, use the yeah. car while she's at work. I, I know yeah. some of y'all out there saying, damn, is he talking about me? Yes, I am. <laughs> right? But, 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 uh, <laughs> but, you know, what you said about banks is interesting, right? Because I I... I'm confused, I'll admit I'm not knowledgeable of how having a black bank would specifically help because and just from my experience, this is purely anecdotal. I don't have any data or anything. So you you do know that I own a business. Me, my partner and I own a business. We had a, a significant amount of money that we put in a black bank that's in our ward. Black, black historic black bank in, in, in this city. Um, the number, six figures, right? And we put it there not because that was our primary bank. We just wanted to patronize them and support them. And we're in an area where there aren't a lot of black owned businesses. And if they are, if there is, they're not going to be parking that kind of money in the black bank. So after about a year with the money just sitting there, because it's not our primary bank, right? We were just patron, supporting black business. Because as much as people like to say that uh, I don't like black people and all this nonsense, every chance I get, I try to support and do something for the community. And my, and my partner as well, because that was his idea, it wasn't mine. Do you know after leaving the money there untouched for slightly over a year when we asked about getting a line of credit they said they said they couldn't do it no problem we took the money out a couple of months later and I'm talking about six figures right we took the money out and left $1,000 in there That's still in there to this day, six, seven years later. And we never even so much as got a call. Like, hey, what's going on, you guys? Can we talk about it? Like, if a black, you have black clients that's had six figures sitting in your bank for over a year, maybe two years. It's been a while. And they just pulled all the money out. You didn't even call the... I couldn't do that to Citibank or Chase. The bank manager would be like, hey, Mr. Scone. And they got millions, billions. You understand what I'm saying? But the Black bank owner didn't, like, he didn't even give a damn. It didn't matter to him. He wasn't really there to serve the Black community. He didn't really care about our business. Sometimes I wonder what's going on. I, I, I just do. We took the money out. We never even got a call, like, can we talk about this how can we help you better nothing what is a black bank going to do in the black community jason oh
1: a properly functioning one (laughs) is going to serve that community and perhaps Uh provide small business loans to small business entrepreneurs in that community uh And is going to uh, use whatever amount of wealth that bank has accumulated to influence what goes on in that community. Because, you know, in America, cash is king, money is king, that there's a lot of power from, you know, Uh, having that kind of wealth sitting right there in that zip code and you know you know a properly functioning one would would use its economic influence to benefit the people in that zip code and yeah and maybe we and i haven't thought this all the way through but we love to complain about gentrification
0: oh man and so and i'm uh, I'm in a gentrifying neighborhood by the way yeah. go ahead look.
1: yeah and so i've never understood why um we don't gentrify some historic black communities or whatever so you know some black bank could be the leader in enticing curtis schoon jason whitlock but whoever to hey come invest come rehabilitate this neighborhood. Let's let some, you know, black achievers establish a community right here in this neighborhood and rehabilitate these homes and make them worth more value and let's all make money together.
0: Man, Jason, you're gonna get me in trouble now, right? And I'm gonna tell you why I think that doesn't happen. By the way, in my gentrifying neighborhood, my partner and I, we bought our office space. We bought it. And the seller was a, a Jewish guy, white Jewish guy. We tried to buy property from black people in the vicinity. They wouldn't sell it to us. They ended up selling it. I mean, we we were proactive. The property wasn't for sale. We would approach them. Hey, you know, we see it run down and disrepair. Hey, what you doing with this out of Let's, you know, let's talk. But they sold it to the white people, though. They complain about gentrification, but who the hell is selling this property to those people coming in? That's number one. Number two, if you or I decide we want to renovate, rebuild a historically Black area, it's going to be hard to get people to come there, right? And I say this without any scientific data, just from observation. It just seems like we don't want things until somebody else has it. When we see certain people moving in, that's our cue that, hey, that area is going up. We need to get, get over there because you see who's over there. You know, they got the little... Bicycles you could rent and everything, all all that all that hipster bullshit. We like that, you know. Honestly, just having a, a straight conversation, man. As much as some, not all, some black people fixate on white people, white supremacy, institutional racism. They love nothing more than being in close proximity to white people, and 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 they have the nerve to call other people all kinds of names for not agreeing with them and going along with them. And if that's what you wanna do, that's your prerogative, man, but be true to yourself. What comes out your, the way you feel has to line up with what comes out your mouth. But like I was saying, if we invest in these areas, nobody's gonna come. Uh, I'm in Southeast Washington, DC, Ward 8, the epicenter, of all the violence in DC has always been. And I can tell you that the safest people in Ward 8 are the gentrifiers because everyone knows if something happens to one of them, the police will turn the whole place upside down, disrupt business and squeeze their informants for every, every bit of information they can get to crack the case. Now, you can say the police should be doing that for everybody, and i I can't say I can't say anything about that, but the fact of the matter is, man, the reason why we can't do certain things is because we're not received the same way, not even by our own people, much less anybody else, Jason. That's how I see it
1: I, I certainly. See that, and I certainly have. I mean, again, it's all part of our conversation. In casual conversation, Black people will say, Oh man, you live in a, a nice neighborhood. There's no Black people out here. <laughs> we say that in casual conversation. I've heard it. Our, our family members, I've heard it. Say, oh man, you live in a hell of a neighborhood. you the only Black person out there. And and then as soon as two or three Black people move out there, you'll hear Black people say, man, there's to me, Black people out here. I'm going to have to move. I mean, it, it's, it's said. And so our self-hatred, and again, that's when I look at this era and how history will eventually uh, view this era we're living in, it's the era... And and who knows, because who knows who's going to write the history. But it is the era of self-hatred. And I think that uh, for white liberals, this whole era is being defined by, they talk Black, in the 1960s, they talk Black people into adopting all of these liberal principles that was supposed to lead us to the promised land.
0: And it destroyed us.
1: And it destroyed us. And so rather than admit the failure of their policies, they've come back and said, we're going to use police brutality to say white supremacy explains everything. It's not these policies that we've had you adopt that have corrupted your culture, that made you go from you know, 70 to 75% of kids being born into intact families Uh, by adopting our policies. Now only 25 to 20% of your kids are born into intact families. We don't want to tell you that it was our policies that led you to that. Our explanation is, man, the police shot y'all 200 of y'all a year and white supremacy explains everything. It wasn't these ignorant policies. It wasn't the breakdown of the Black family. It wasn't the emasculation of the Black man and the promotion of the Black matriarchy. It wasn't any of that. It it was... White supremacy explains it all, and police shooting y'all 200 times a year, that explains everything. And and we've gone for it.
0: What, What you just said brought something to my mind just now. They have... Infected us, and I'm talking about white liberals, they have infected us with their degeneracy, their broken, their their poor morals and low values and all these things, right? But the reason why they haven't had to pay a price for it is because they always have us to leech off of economically. I think the policies not working for us isn't a problem for them. Because what happens is in those gentrifying neighborhoods, those broken families means that they can come in and buy the properties very cheap and get their comeuppance. You understand, like our dysfunction actually is keeping them afloat. It provides them jobs as teachers, therapists, doctors, counselors. Yo, every day- Social workers. The whole shit. Our dysfunction has created entire industries for otherwise dysfunctional white people to eke out an existence on and not suffer or pay the price for their own dysfunction because they can still benefit off of us if they had to compete on a level playing field and didn't have us to poach to 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 scavenge on they would go hungry they'd be dead man and the thing is is, right and the thing is to me i know for a fact in these neighborhoods that are gentrifying those aren't right-wing conservatives Buying those properties and moving in there.
1: Uh, it's it's LGBT, but Curtis, so I, and I want to I mention that specifically to make a point that I'm gonna go a step further and say that the policies that were prescribed for us are they the policies that white liberals prescribe for themselves? Are they following? And so, take.
0: Yeah, they- they got broken families they do
1: mm, they, but not to the just just because a lot of this to me is the lgbt movement and what did they fight for the right to get married and so what what have we we're not interested in marriage and i raised my you know you talking to two guys that
0: uh <laughs> <on this>. maybe <laughs> not the best people to discuss marriage but yeah. go ahead yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: and so but again Go look. We're not interested in marriage. They are. They want intact families amongst themselves. We're not getting married. See, and I, I just I think
0: I, I they differently. I think they just want normalization. They don't even really care about families. They get divorced very quickly. They don't have kids i mean they got their little dogs and they go to the doggy park and all this <laughs> shit. but man, look uh, look, I, I think they just want to be seen as i'm no different from you we're the same and they have a right to want that but i think the policies that they prescribe it suits them because they are the architects the authors of it it is developed to satisfy them. And if it isn't working, then they decide to make a shift. We, on the other hand, are just going for the ride with them. That close proximity that I spoke of, that's an ideological, that that's physical, that's even, uh, you know, that's cultural and everything. We are mimicking them to our detriment. And because they have us to sustain them, it is prolonging their eventual demise and, and they only good they the dysfunction that you see and the chaos in our community and the anger that is keeping them afloat and they come and say we care about you and this that the other and the only way they can make, can make it is because they have us so they want they want the government money for us so they can then get it from us some kind of way Selling us food, clothes, teaching us all kinds of nonsense. You know, everybody with the little yoga mat. Yeah, let me teach you Tai Chi and all this shit, man. Like,
1: Nonprofit charity organizations. Yeah, yeah, thank present- you. Yeah,
0: yo, man, they they live off of us. We we are giving it to them, and we have we have certain people like this uh, Patrice Cullers lady and a bunch of others who will play the 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 point person and help facilitate this process for for crumbs, for pennies on a dollar, fractions of a penny on a dollar. Because if they get 5 million, a half a billion unchanged hands already. And it's like, and, and, and that's how, how cheap we sell each other out for. We're worse than Judas because we get less than 30 pieces of silver for the betrayal. And, and 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 we're happy with that. And then you look and you see generations of people that are lost beyond hope. You know, after they finish with this immigration and this equality act, there will be no more need for black people. Not politically, anyway. And and because of automation, they're not gonna need us to do work. I mean, there's places like Detroit where people still want to get a job in Chrysler in the factory or whatever but where are we going to fit in when all of this shit runs out is what are we going to do just wait till a family member gets killed so we can call Ben Crump and get a lawsuit because that's what it's looking like our options are boiling down to within the next 10 years because we're not a piece we're not a we're not a we're not a piece of this economy we're not a piece of anything they you got all the Latinos who are willing to work. The immigrants, they don't mind working. They come here, and and they're, willing, they're ready to work.
1: Have you seen the stats? I think they say Nigerians are the most successful.
0: I'm not surprised. <laughs> but they're some of the smartest people I've ever encountered, Nigerians. And that's why they're known for doing so many crooked things, because that intellect can be applied one way or the other. Nigerians, look, man, I'm going to be politically incorrect here, but I don't give a damn. Nigerians and Jews are some of the smartest people I've ever encountered. Not all Jews are smart. Not all Nigerians are smart. But man, I've ran into more impressive Jews than not and more impressive Nigerians than not. There's something going on there. And those two groups, I kind of like consider the Nigerians the Jews of Africa for the way they think business-wise and all of those things. Now, Now, I haven't been to Nigeria, I probably would get there and change my mind. I don't know, but the, but the ones I encounter in America, yeah, man, they sharp, man, they sharp. Yeah, yeah, they're different. They're different, different from Ethiopians, from Ghanaians. They're different.
1: And so, I, I, my point, <laughs> piggybacking off your point, is like our role. And you'll think I'm being funny, but you know our role is clear, just entertainment. Go dunk a basketball or go be on the reality TV show, Cops 2.0, uh, Negroes resisting arrest and being shot by police. That, that's, that's Cops 2.0. Uh, let, let's go see how the police engage with uh, dysfunctional uh, criminals who are resist arrest. And so, if you can't dunk a basketball, or sing, or rap, or or sell your soul and your booty hole to be in a movie, uh, you know, go 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 resist arrest and see if the cops will kill you. and We'll make a TV show and we'll set it to music about it. I guess I guess that's our role. I just don't see us being celebrated. And again, it's just I looked at this DMX. Uh, worship service that, that mm. people had and th- you would have thought Ben Carson had passed away or you would have thought uh, someone I mean this guy was and again I had some DMX music but I just not yeah. I was blown away at the way we sent him off and the way we genuflected and everybody f- f- every minister to all the, Louis Farrakhan had to you know, well, talk Frank about, oh, he wasn't there, but he gave a speech via oh. Zoom. Uh,
0: he ain't got nothing better to do, but go ahead, man. <laughs>
1: and it, again, not to diminish DMX, cause I know he was just a center like me and you know, trying to get his life together or whatever. But I was like, wow, man, this dude made some rap, some pretty profane rap music. And we're acting like he cured cancer. It, it, it just, it blew me away.
0: Um, DMX. Uh, I, in the 90s, I liked DMX music. I'm not gonna lie, right? Um, I, I never really paid attention too much to the words. I just kind of like the energy that he brought. And I like any rapper that could, uh, could perform well on stage. And he, he had a stage presence, right? but again and this has nothing to do with him it says more about us and us I'm generalizing of course because I didn't even watch it you know um I met DMX one time he seemed like he's he's a guy that was comfortable in his skin from what I saw right but um we are so desperate for heroes right and for for reasons to, to be the center of attention. I think as a community, there's a collective narcissism there that we just want to be in the spotlight no matter what, even when it doesn't make sense. And I, I get I get the entertainment business giving DMX a, a nice send-off. Yeah, he's one of their own. I, I get that. I just don't understand why it would mean so much to people who aren't really in the business. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's like an athlete, you know, like when, when not comparing DMX to Kobe, but when Kobe died, you knew that that was gonna affect the NBA and the, around the league, people who played against him, played with him, people who covered him, of course of his stature, it transcended just basketball players, but you expect people to support their peers to come out for them when tragedy happens. I just don't. I don't think DMX was a a black figure, so to speak. Again, he, yes, he was black, but he was an entertainment figure, and, and and I get that. But for for all of these people, Farrakhan and everybody else. To me, they're just clout chasing. Farrakhan was over there at Aretha Franklin's uh, funeral. Um, Whenever somebody, someone of of note passes away, here comes the usual people, probably haven't talked to them in eons, and they got all these great things to say about them. I remember when Tukey Williams uh, was executed and Jesse Jackson eulogized. Tukey Williams Winnie Mandela attended his his funeral uh, I, I, I don't get it and again I don't have anything against Tukey or anything I just don't know what he did to be worthy of all that reverence from people who aren't criminals gang members or whatever and it just seems to be a a tradition in our community man like Let's get together, make a big deal, and show the whole world we got people. That's important too. I,
1: I, you make a great point with Tookie Williams. <laughs> uh, look, look. <laughs> and, and the Tookie thing I almost understand, just almost out of fear. Like, man, we better send him off. His boys may come holler at us if we don't. Uh,
0: <laughs> look, I saw Snoop. I saw Snoop crying. Like, he actually knew this man, and he didn't. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I, yo, I I don't get it, but again, I'm not a gang member. I'm not from L.A. Maybe, maybe I, I, I don't know. I, I saw Winnie Mandela there. I don't know what she was doing there. They said he wrote some children's books and all that. But the prosecutor said he killed some people in a motel for about $200 while high on PCP. I, I, yo, look, man, I don't know what kind of signals we send, and I'm not condemning anybody, but we got to be careful of who we glorify because we're sending messages to other people that this is the way to go. And uh, I, we all make mistakes, we can all redeem ourselves, but we have to be careful of who we put on a pedestal for that reason, for the next generation, because they're watching.
1: There's no question. And that's why, and again, I don't want to pass judgment on uh, 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 DMX because look, I've certainly fallen short, but I just don't know. And again, like I said, I had a lot of DMX made some good pornographic party music Mm. because that's all it is is pornographic party music. Mm. Uh, And I and I know it. I think he was the first rapper with five straight albums to debut at number one. I mean, he had some impact. Look, man,
0: he he released two multi platinum albums in the same year.
1: Yeah, yo, yeah.
0: yo man, he, the dude was like he was like that, bro. You know, should he have gotten the send off? He got. I mean, that 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 I got nothing to do with that.
1: <laughs> Literally, though, I was trying to think. Other than Obama. And Michelle Obama. Yeah. I guess other than these political, because John Lewis, any of these black political figures would get some kind of great send-off. But but I, I just kept trying to think of outside of the entertainment and political space, who 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 would we like if Ben Carson passes away, will we celebrate him? No,
0: Ben's not black. You don't, you don't, you don't get it, huh? See. Ben's not black for the same reason people say you or 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 I hate hate black people, love white people, or whatever, because black has nothing to do with race. Black has everything to do with ideology, culture, and values. And and white is the same. When when they talk about white people, they're not talking about Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer. They're talking about Donald Trump, um, Mitch McConnell, because white is now an ideology. It's cold. When you say white, you're talking about conservatives. When you say black, you're talking about liberals. And if you're a black conservative, you're not black. I keep saying it. Joe Biden was telling the truth when he spoke to Charlemagne and said, if you vote for Donald Trump, you ain't black like me. Because he was saying, you ain't a liberal. You're not a Democrat. Because they've, they've changed the meaning of the words, man. And we're still thinking, what do you mean I'm not black? I'm black is like, I don't know what. No, <laughs> they're not talking about that. It means you have to conform to their way of thinking. And the black liberals, especially the black pro- progressives, they are the number one violators of, of, of blackness, because they adopted, promote, and promote white liberal, white liberalism and facilitate the exploitation, either knowingly or, or unbeknownst, of our community for the white. They, they prime us. They 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 prime us. They like, all right, boss. She's ready. I got a good and what good and wet for you. Come on in here now. You know what I mean? Like, and that's who they are, man. They are on a fucking TV every day. And I just I, you know, sometimes I get, I'm, I'm saying to myself when people tweet at me, I will be like, motherfucker, do you know I will snap your neck talking this shit to me, you low life motherfucker. But I can't say that though. You know what I mean? Because I'll get suspended because you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I mean, and that's who they are, period.
1: Look, I, I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. And it's the first time I've given it any thought in, the term, in terms of how they're transitioning whiteness into an ideology. Yes. Uh, I'm not 100% there with you, but I'm willing to consider it. That they don't consider maybe Joe Biden is-
0: them white. When they talk about white supremacy... No, this dude was a segregationist, but because he's a, a liberal, he's not white. <laughs> he's all right. You know look, 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 man, I, it's so clear to me. You got to be for LGBT, for trans. You got to be for immigration. All of this is what being black means to these people. That's what it means. I'm not arguing against any of those points. Let's be clear. But that's not what Blackness is. Somehow, the people who call themselves Black leaders have either lost their way or deliberately led the Black community in the wrong way so they can buy houses in Topanga Canyon and, and, and do all the other things that they do. And that's such a high price to pay for such a small reward.
1: You know, for me, I am because of all the things you're saying, I have. Th- that's one of the main reasons I'm more into my identity as a Christian than I am my identity as it relates to skin color. Uh, because I don't want to be associated with a political ideology, really either direction. I've avoided that my whole life. And I think it just takes you away when you're beholden to a political ideology, you can't be beholden to the truth. That I am, I want to be beholden to the truth, because I actually believe the truth actually works for all of us. And I think it actually works for black people really, really well, I look at people, uh, Black people on the left, and it's like, they're afraid of the truth. And I look at white people on the left, like they're afraid of the truth. They, I, and I wanna be careful here because it's a dear friend and I don't wanna, but but if I tweeted out a, a picture or a video of, Black people at Miami airport having a fight.
0: <laughs> I, I saw that shit. Yeah. And
1: I said, proud boys versus the KKK. You hate to see it. And basically I was just calling bullshit
0: yeah.
1: on, on the whole narrative, like that. Cause again, as black people, we know that our internal dysfunction is the threat to us. We are harming each other. And we need to deal with that, and we need to accept that, so we can start working on how we engage with each other as Black people. It's like white liberals and Black liberals—they don't want us to deal with that. They want let's focus on improving white people. And I just keep going back uh, to this repeatedly, and like I just don't see how improving some random white person benefits me. Do
0: you, know, do you know what black liberals are really afraid of? They've either they've, they've either convinced themselves that white conservatives don't like them or they've gone out on a limb so far to attack white conservatives that they know they can't expect anything from them that they are fearful of losing the support of the white liberals who are their sponsors and benefactors. So they're gonna toe the line, man. That is what they do. They toe the line, and it's only a small group. See, when you got, I don't know what is it, 40 million black people, and all you have to do is cut deals with maybe 100 to 200 out of 40 million, man, you just got a hell of a bargain. You, you And when I say 100 to 200, they're not all going to be millionaires, you know? There's going to be some that get, you know, a guy like LeBron, he gets those big contracts or you got Shannon Sharp or Jamel Hill and, 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 and Dwayne Wade, and they're all required to do different things. But it comes out much cheaper than doing something for 40 million people. You get more bang for your buck. You got your 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 black elite, so to speak. And unlike the past where our black elite elite had to be educated and come up through the ranks. And, you know, I mean, really educated, not in critical race theory and shit like that. Like <laughs> they, they were doctors and lawyers and judges and all of these things. Now you can just sit, you can just sit in a locker room holding a Malcolm X book that you never read and they're, they're dumber now. Let's just say that. Let me be plain: they're dumber, and but the fact that they're dumber means they're easier to come by, easier to replace and recycle. Just like the mumble rappers, when you lower the bar, you create an entity that's so easily replaced that man. If they don't, if they do one thing wrong, next your turn. Get to dancing, and, and and that's what's going on. And yo, I see it. I see it, and uh, we really have to start. We got to start loving each other. I've I've said it before. I'm not political for real. I, I mean, socially, I'm I'm conservative leaning. Politically, I'm kind of like. I'm open, I'm open to hearing what everybody got to say. Come on, what you got for me, man? Oh, I don't care what your party is. What do you have for me? Oh, you don't have nothing for me? All right, get the fuck out of here. Next, what you got for me? And if nobody has anything for me, then I don't have anything for them. During during Trump's campaign, even though I wanted him to win, I would never endorse him, Right? Because as small as I am, if I have to endorse you, I wanna know what is in it for me. And black people are too given with their support and everything else. They don't require anything in return for it. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or whatever, what are you getting other than the the fact that, oh, we got the first black female vice president, yes! What the fuck is that? What did that do for you? What did that do for you? Because it's politics and something has to be in it for you. Politics I'm tell is not an altruistic occupation.
1: I'm going to tell you the issue, Curtis, is you're right, but you're thinking like a patriarch. You're thinking like a man. And, you know, for too much of our culture is emotion driven. And so having Kamala Harris, having Barack Obama as president made us feel good. And that's all that, again, that's all that some of us need is a feeling. And, oh, look, you know, white people say we're good enough to be president or vice president makes me, in terms of getting something for that, We don't even have an interest in it. We we got the feeling, and that's all that matters.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got a funny story about Barack, right? I'm not going to lie. In 2008, I wanted him to become president, not because I was uh, into politics or anything. The reason why I wanted him to become president is because I thought a Black man in the White House would be a nice pivot from how black men are usually seen in media. I felt it would be a counterbalance of sort, image-wise. I, I felt like as a as a group, right? Nothing to do with politics, right? But I just felt we needed to be seen in a certain light, other yeah. than the one we were constantly shown in, right? But here's the thing, right? I was in I was in Georgia at that time and I was laying in the bed. I wasn't watching TV. It was election night. Do you know how I knew Barack Obama won the election? I heard the celebratory gunfire. The guns were just going off everywhere <laughs> in, the, in the neighborhood. Look, I'm laying in bed, and it was early, too. It wasn't late at night. yo. I think it was about maybe 9, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. I don't know. I'm laying in the bed looking at the ceiling, and I'll be at all these gunshots. And I said, Oh shit, he pulled it off. You know, I, I, I just know it right there and there. But again, you know, uh, our culture, man, um, I don't really care about what political party anybody is. Um, I care about all Americans, all people, but charity starts at home. My house is very dysfunctional, so I do focus there and speak on that a lot. And I think that if we have some success in 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 write, writing that ship, we would be doing not just the black community a great service, but the country. though that's what I think. Do you see it that way, Jason? Uh, say the last part again. I I said, I think my focus is primarily the black community because I think charity starts at home and I'm a member of that community, right? Yeah,
1: and for for me what-
0: But I also feel that by helping fix things in the black community, I'm helping America as a whole.
1: There's no question in terms of black people, our journey is integral to the success of America. And, I mean, we are, you can't have that success without us. It's like I hear somebody in my house. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm hearing them too. Might be poltergeist, I don't know.
1: I'm not, anyway, I'm going to wrap up. I, I, it, it may be a TV to start started up in another room, but I think that uh, what my philosophy is based
0: on. It's a TV, Jason.
1: I, I like- think that what I'm always trying to do is make room for the next Jason Whitlock I came from nothing and again i've said it repeatedly me and my father living in a one bedroom 400 square foot apartment in 1984 I want other people like me to have the same opportunity to elevate and rise, the same way I did, and I think that all the the people I've helped, and again, I've helped a wide variety of people, but most of my help has focused on Black kids, young people, or Black elderly people. Uh, And it's just because I want people to experience what I've experienced here in America, the chance to elevate, rise above my station, help my family out, uh, have a great experience but I also think that if you really understand the African-American journey, going all the way back to sixteen the 1600s, our pursuit of freedom is what improved America. It made America live up to the ideals expressed in the Declaration of Independence, expressed in the U.S. Constitution. And again, our pursuit of freedom brought out the best in America. Was it an easy road? Should it have been easier at the start? Yeah, but no pain, no gain, no struggle, no success. Uh, And so I see our adversaries, China, Russia, India, uh, understanding the importance of the black journey to America's success. And that's why they're trying to convince so many black people that America is our enemy America has been horrible for us, and they want to disconnect us from making America live up to the ideals expressed in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And, and you know, I just think us moving to a non-patriotic position is very harmful for America and very harmful for us.
0: Yeah, because we're going to be the first ones to feel it anyway, you know, so... And I think we just got to realize that, you know, um, did you see Dante Wright, eulogy, where Al Sharpton referred to him as a prince? Al Sharpton, look, man, condolences to the family, but this is a kid, 20 years old, doing things that he shouldn't have been doing. He lost his life tragically. It's unfortunate, but if you're calling him a prince, what, is, what does that say about the kingdom? If this is the prince, what kind of kingdom is this? There's a saying that one of the toughest eulogies to give is a eulogy for someone who hasn't done anything of note in their life. And of course, Al started talking about Fifty years ago, oh, all she tied every because there wasn't anything really to say about this kid. And uh, in, in all fairness to the kid, who at twenty years old really did anything for people to talk about at length. Never mind his his brushes with the law, but you would have thought that this kid was about to change the world, man. The way <laughs> the way Al Sharpton was talking, and and again. This is the type of thing that's so dangerous for us because when when young kids see people like Sharpton putting a stamp on, unfortunately, kids like Dante Wright, then they learn nothing from his mistakes. In fact, they go on to repeat them. What that ensures is that Al Sharpton is gonna have a lot of eulogies <laughs> you know what I, mean? I, I mean, I'm just, and of course, Ben Crump was in the back like this. I'm not lying. I'll no, I, I'm face.
1: sure he's cheering look, on that paycheck.
0: Yo, look,
1: I apologize, but I got to wrap up. I got to bounce.
0: Oh, my man. All right.
1: Yeah.
0: We go. I got to bounce. Brother. Okay, take care. All
1: right, take care.
0: Share, subscribe, and like our YouTube channel to get alerts for new episodes.